What's up carnivores? This is Carnivore Kurt, your host, and I'm really excited to have you here. Welcome to the channel. I'm super excited. My name is Carnivore Kurt. Carnivore Kurt. I'm gonna be your host. All right, carnivores, just jump right into it. The number one key to doing the carnivore diet, I've really transformed both how I feel, look, just experience life. And I think that the carnivore diet is a tremendously powerful tool for a lot of individuals who are suffering from anxiety, autoimmune Share it with someone who's interested in the carnivore diet. Let's spread the word, let's get this out to people. Let's help others understand more about this and see the bigger picture. Guys, that was a score. Score one for the carnivores. Welcome. So thank you for coming here. I, many of you may be actually vegan and that's totally awesome. This video is not about saying what you're doing is wrong. The main point of this video really is to further the knowledge and understanding around optimal human health. And so I hope with this video, I can be of resource to you to help you best identify potential nutrient deficiencies and get to the crux of being the optimal human being that you can be. Now, I'm a bit biased. My channel is a lot about doing the carnivore diet, but that doesn't mean that what this video is about is about going off and really promoting that. It's really about exploring the biggest things you need to know in terms of vegan supplementation and things that you might be missing in your diet and how to sort of fix that. So let's jump into it. It's gonna be a part of a series, probably three to four videos long. So if you're vegan, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're a carnivore, you'll learn more about this and you'll be able to share this with potential vegan friends, plant-based friends. And if you're someone just looking for optimal health, this is probably quite informative as well because it's going to give you some of the key micronutrients that we need to watch for in our diet. So when we're talking about supplementing, typically we're talking about the micronutrients and we're talking about essential micronutrients. These are the, the, the things that are not protein, carbs, or fats. These are like your minerals, your vitamins, the things your body needs to run on to be optimal, to do all the metabolic processes and balance your hormones and your biology and all the things that go on in your body. So those are what micronutrients are. And the definition of essential is basically the idea that these are things you need to get in your diet. You cannot get them just by producing them from your body. They actually have to come from a way of consuming foods in your diet. Quick disclaimer, I am not your doctor. If you have a pre-existing health condition or you're dealing with something where you think it's a serious health condition, this video is purely for educational, informational, entertainment purposes. I highly recommend to work with a professional, someone who can give you very specific advice, who can look at you and look at your very specific stuff. This is broad sweeping information, but I think it's gonna be very valuable for you and it's gonna help you maybe get more pinpointed on the direction of what you want to explore. On this video, we're going to cover roughly a half dozen or so micronutrients. These ones are really important to watch for, especially if your diet is heavily plant-based because they are largely ones we see coming up. So the first one is vitamin B12. This probably comes as no surprise. It's also referred to as cobalamin. This is a critical vitamin in the human body. It's needed for healthy nerve cell function. It really plays a key role in your DNA synthesis and ensuring structural stability in the chromosomes within your DNA. The human body does not make vitamin B12. It's actually something found exclusively in animal foods from humans and plant eating animals as well as some of our ancestor primates get it from the fecal organic matter in the soil that they consume from plants. Or as I mentioned with our primate ancestors, 
and other animals, they may engage in, an, in a process called coprophagia, where they actually eat their own feces. And this is to get cobalamin, get the B12 from the undigested matter that has passed through the body that hasn't been fully absorbed. But largely, this stuff is found in the soil that we wash off of plant foods if we're going plant-based. And so B12 is a huge vitamin to really consider if you're going full plant-based and you're not eating animal foods. Deficiencies can creep up over weeks, months, even years. So you gotta be careful with this because you may be eating a diet deficient in B12 and not directly realize the deficiencies right away. It's a water-soluble vitamin, so your body doesn't store it. It needs it on a regular basis to maintain optimal levels. And your deficiencies can be things like fatigue, mood, poor mood. Common symptoms can be things like pale skin, weakness, pins and needles feelings, dizziness, blurred vision, mood changes, depression, dementia. This stuff affects your nerves directly. It's really critical that you have a sufficient amount of this. I've heard people say that you can eat dirt or you get, get it from the dirt on the vegetables that you're eating and I just don't buy it. If you're gonna be plant-based and you're not gonna be eating animal foods and you don't plan on eating your own feast, eating, and you don't plan on eating manure or soil, you're going to need to supplement cobalamin. The biggest dietary sources of B12 for an omnivore or a carnivore would be beef, liver, kidney, sardines. But again, if you're plant-based, you can supplement this. And this is good news because we do see effective supplementation in the vegan community and plant-based community. It's quite cost effective to just take a B12 supplement. Now the RDA has a wide range of one to 25 micrograms per day of vitamin B12. And the most common supplements are methocobalamin and cyanocobalamin. Cyanocobalamin is more popular for supplement companies because it has a longer shelf life, but methylcobalamin is actually more bioavailable and a better form to take. So make sure you're covering your B12 levels. You can test for it on your blood. I've done Quest Labs to see and check my B12 levels, but it's something to consider if you have those sort of symptoms of fatigue, irritability, mood, lethargy, pale skin, weakness. So number two is heme iron. I know what you're probably thinking, especially if you're coming from um, the plant-based space. This was a big nutrient that was mentioned in that documentary on Netflix, The Game Changers, where James Wilkes basically went off and said that heme iron was toxic, that it was innately not uh, a good thing for humans, and that by going plant-based, you minimize the amount of heme iron in your diet, thus mitigating these risk factors of these health issues from heme iron. But the devil is in the details. Iron is an essential mineral the human body absolutely does need and has to get it from the diet. It is not something that is innately toxic to us, but everything has to be balanced in the human body. If you have too much of anything, whether it's B12, cholesterol potentially, or vitamin C, for example, these things can all throw your body out of balance. They can have negative effects on the systems in the body and they can mess with your body. So heme iron is very critical to the body's function. It's a nutrient that you do not get from plant foods. It does not occur in plants in the heme iron form. And heme iron is about 90% bioavailable to a human body. Whereas plant form iron from things like spinach or kale um, as we're gonna discuss here, are much less bioavailable. In fact, they are in the, the plant form iron is typically less than 15 to even 10% bioavailable. So what you see on the actual box of a food item or what you see on the nutritional facts of plant foods, 
the iron levels are actually much lower. And we see a lot of people who go plant-based having iron deficiencies. So it's really important to make sure that when you're doing this, that you look at your iron, which you can test your ferritin levels, which is the iron stores you have in your body, and also pay heed to these actual common symptoms that we have for deficiencies, to these actual common symptoms that we have for deficiencies. So the dark side of iron, it can cause free radicals, excess free radicals, it can damage DNA, cell lipids and membranes. Again, this is when you go too far on one end of the spectrum, but iron is essentially what our blood cells, our red blood cells need in order to transport oxygen. Hemoglobin from heme iron is a key aspect of our body's ability to distribute oxygen to our cells. If we do not have heme iron, if we do not have sufficient iron levels, we suffer from a deficiency in our ability to move oxygen, which is a key building nutrient for our body's cellular metabolism. You can see how making iron something that's evil when not taken into context with the fact that you absolutely need heme iron in your body and you need sufficient levels of iron in order for your red blood cells to move oxygen efficiently through your body can be blown way out of context. When you don't have sufficient iron, you experience fatigue. Again, think about holding your breath and going and doing something athletic. What happens when you don't get oxygen? You experience fatigue, you have weakness, you get pale skin, you have shortness of breath, your body and your energy levels drop. In addition, iron is a huge precursor for neurotransmitters in the body, specifically serotonin and dopamine. These are feel-good chemicals in the body that affect our motivation and our feel-good mechanisms. People who have iron deficiencies, also known as anemia, or that are anemic, can have real issues in a mental health perspective because they're lacking these neurotransmitters. The RDA, the recommended daily allowance, suggests that we get seven to 18 milligrams a day of heme iron. Pregnant women are actually on the, on the list to get even more because of how important the oxygen and the heme is to the red blood cells that they're delivering to their fetus and their baby. If you're gonna eat plant foods, lentils, soybeans, tofu, lima beans, grains, quinoa, nuts, Dark chocolate all provide iron. Again, this is not in the heme form, which can only be 10 to maybe 20% available, but it is a group of foods that you're going to want to consider making sure you're getting when you're on a plant-based diet. So there's no real magic thing here. You really need to find your balance of what you can take in dietarily with iron and, and make sure that you're getting foods that are rich in iron uh, on a plant-based diet. There are supplements out there, but again, you can really overdo iron, so you want to find that balance. The big takeaway here is make sure to be cognizant of these symptoms and the fact that when you're going plant-based, the absorbability of iron you get in your body and the need that you have as a human being may have a mismatch and you wanna be cognizant of that. So for my third nutrient deficiency that I, I had concerns around, it really was a combination of calcium, zinc and calcium. We have minerals that we need in our body, water-soluble minerals, calcium, zinc, magnesium, these things flow through us. And it's harder for our body to hold on to those things versus fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E. So zinc plays a key role in our sex hormone production, testosterone, prolactin. It's also a huge discussion right now with COVID-19 going on and the uh, immune function. It's really important for our immune signaling. Plant foods do contain zinc, but the problem is things like legumes and seeds and nuts their RDA values are, are quite misleading. And the reason that that's the case is because plants that contain the zinc also, a lot of them have high loads 
of phytic acid. And phytic acid is a molecule that plants have that binds to minerals in the human body, as well as oxalates, which also capture some of these minerals like calcium. They can lead to things like thyroid dysfunction and kidney stones. Now the RDA for zinc is eight milligrams for women and 11 milligrams for men. And you can supplement zinc, but with zinc, it does compete in the stomach for absorption with copper. And copper is another mineral I'm not gonna talk about in, in this series that needs to be balanced with zinc, where if you take too much zinc, you actually nix out the copper, which you do need in some trace amounts in your body in order to properly have optimal balance and function. So zinc plant rich foods that you wanna consume on a plant-based diet would include beans, chickpeas, lentils, tofus, walnuts, cashew nuts, chia seeds. Now, as I mentioned, there's phytic acid in, in quite a bit of these foods on the plant side, none of which are in animal foods. But one thing you can do to substantially lower the phytase and the phytic acid load is soaking these foods overnight. That can reduce the phytic acid and, and really up the absorption rate of the actual minerals. I will just say, just to throw it out there, Red meat is one of the richest sources of, of zinc you could possibly get without any phytic acid or oxalates. Just three and a half ounces of red meat will meet your daily requirements. Just three and a half ounces of red meat will meet half of the RDA for zinc. But again, we're talking about plant supplements and being on a plant-based diet, so I totally get it. Let's move on to calcium because calcium is really important. And many people on a plant-based diet are gonna remove dairy. In fact, even on a carnivore diet or, or a more omnivore diet, I recommend removing dairy for a variety of gut and health reasons. Probably already know that calcium is really important for your bones and teeth and your bone structure. It's the most abundant mineral in the human body. But what you may not know is that it also supports muscle contraction, nerve functioning, cell fluid, fluid balance. And it's a key signaler of like how we, and it's a key signaler, it's a key signaling mineral within our body for our nerve function. So it's really important to have a good level of calcium. It's also something you need to get in your diet on a regular basis. The RDA is a thousand milligrams, so it's a gram a day of calcium. And fortunately, there's quite a few sources of calcium. Unfortunately, if you're eating a lot of plants that are quote unquote high in calcium, what you're gonna find is they also can often be high in oxalates. Oxalates bind to calcium and essentially nix out the calcium you're able to absorb. Now, it's a good, it's a good and a bad thing in the sense that oxalates actually, you don't want them to be absorbed by your body. So when calcium binds to them, you actually prevent them from going into your body and causing things like kidney stones, thyroid dysfunction, other things like that. But on the flip side, you get calcium deficiency because they're bound up to the oxalate. The mineral is bound up to the oxalates and you can't actually absorb it. So keep all that mind on your plant-based diet when you're eating foods that are high in calcium, things like broccoli, kale, cabbage, one of the best sources, whether you're eating plants or animals, is to consider something like Mountain Valley spring water. There's about 70 milligrams per liter in spring water. It's probably something we drank pretty regularly as a human species ancestrally. And it's a great way to just constantly be adding in calcium and, and balancing minerals in your body. Tempeh and nada are some of the best sources of calcium. Soybeans contain about 20% of your RDA on 175 grams of cooked soybeans. Tofu has a significant amount as well. So do collard greens, boiled kale, squash, tomatoes, sweet potatoes. The nice thing is boiling these plant foods also removes a lot of the oxalates. So you can actually get the calcium from the foods. I do wanna mention two other things as it, retains to, as it pertains to calcium, vitamin D3 and K2, which are both 
exclusively found in animal foods. Vitamin D3 actually is really largely found just from UVB uh, exposure to the sun, which we then produce as a pro-hormone, both of which are important for key metabolism of calcium as well as hormones. We're going to talk about those in the next series. If you like this video, let me know. In the next sets of series, we're going to talk about omega-3 fatty acids. Very hard to get on a pure plant-based diet, but you could supplement. There are some challenges with the supplementation we'll go into around oxidization and where you can get them. We'll talk about vitamin A retinol. Beta carotene is the plant form, how we convert that. Vitamin B6 pyridoxine, B2 riboflavin, and then a few other foods that I may be a bit biased towards that I think are maybe not purely defined as essential, but pretty hard to get from a plant-based diet that you might want to consider supplementing. Creatine, choline, carnitine, and carnosine. These are valuable foods that help with cell function, with energy, with production in the body, and they can be really valuable to add into your regimen if you're plant-based because they're hard to find in plant foods. So what do you think? Are you plant-based? Do you feel like you might have some of these symptoms? Have you had these levels tested before? If you made it this far, thank you for watching. Um, Comment down below. Let me know what you think about these key nutrients, micronutrients that are a little bit maybe more tricky to get. How are you getting them? Do you take a supplement that works really well for you? If you're a carnivore, keep the comments nice. Let's make this discussion productive and proactive and focused on really spreading, helping people become optimal. And, and in the next sets of series on these videos, we'll talk more about the remaining micronutrients I really think are key to making sure you get. Thanks for watching. Hit that like button, subscribe, comment, let me know, and I'll see you in the next one. Let's get optimized.